Okay, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of The Point with me, your host, Jeff Spikes. I'm episode 10. It's a good round number. The fact that we've got 10 episodes going. I'm not checking a lot of stats, but I've been told that we're doing well. Uh, not, you know, for however many episodes it was that, or it is that we're on. Um, I think that was on episode eight. I was told, wow, man, we're doing well. Maybe it was seven, but it was, you know, I had an X amount of downloads and all that stuff. And I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not really doing it for that. Um, I'm, I'm doing this podcast to keep myself creating and talking and expressing what I need to express because it keeps me on target with things that help me support my clients. And it keeps me in a place with myself of consistent action of putting a message out and getting feedback on what that is so that I can improve my craft. It's also uh, helps support the idea of content and um, having some type of thread of, of synchronicity throughout the various programs that we run in the firm and the corporate work that we do and and also a lot of the um, benefit type work that we do. So it, it kind of brings everything together for me. Now, that being said, as, as someone who's practiced strengths, one of the, I'll tell you as far as my processing, I am a verbal processor is my number one way. My number, my second most common or preferred way of processing, the way I naturally process and flow is verbally, intuitively, is my is the other. So it helps me to talk things out, and then I hear things and intuitively end up feeling and knowing things from that that, that really help me. So that's me. And that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm <clears throat> working in this podcast, um, or why I've created this podcast. Not only that, I, I want to put it put it more out there so I can find more like-minded people and uh, create some energy to move forward with um, just to be around like-minded people, whether wherever they are on the road uh, in the journey and however we want to judge that um, just we gathering more like-minded people to um, I, I think it's when each one of us does something that's rare or difficult whether it's overcoming trauma of a certain kind or um, reaching an unattainable goal it's like threading a needle a, a, a th it's like putting a thread threading a needle so through the eye of the needle it's difficult to get through there but once it's through there it, it, it the rest of the needle comes easy so you know some a the most famous story i can think of with that is a four minute mile as soon as one person did it all kinds of people were doing it so we're all doing that every day when we're doing things that aren't common to us when we're stretching ourselves when we're doing something a little bit better than we did the day before we're making it easier for someone else that also hasn't done that. And I'm telling you, somebody's always watching you. There's always somebody watching you. Maybe not always. I don't mean that conspiracy theory-wise. I mean, there's in our lives, there's people that are always watching us. And we never know when somebody sees something that makes an impact and that helps them. We rarely get the feedback that something's good. We, it's, it's more common to get feedback when something's not so good. But when we, when we work on um, just being the best that we can be and optimizing everything that we do, 
it's a hell of a lot better journey. And I think that, um, well, let's get to the point now, because that's what this is, is the point. <clears throat> this is part three of a three-part series We st that's really about motivation and belief. We started with motivation, talking specifically about motivation, and how belief systems and values and standards really affect our motivation, that motivation is really a symptom. The lack of motivation is a symptom, but healthy, positive motivation is a result of a way of living and a way of thinking and a way of demonstrating positive self-love and um, self-compassion. So <clears throat> when we... And when we find things that we're passionate about and we focus on those things and then look for the best of ourselves, motivation can become much simpler and easier. So that being said, we're going to jump right into it. On, on episode two, we started talking about how not believing something doesn't make it not true. Okay? Not believing something doesn't make it not true. Well, to, this week, we're going to talk about how believing something just because we believe something doesn't make it true so when because there's a lot of things that we believe the my favorite example and when i draw clusters on a on a board and i and i put a, a value a circle with a with a and that's the value and then i put other circles with circles off of that and it looks like a solar system or something um or it looks like cell structure of something we call that a cluster and there's values and around the values there's beliefs and around each belief there's stories and in the center of the value in the center of all that's our identity so we have our identity and then we have these values and the values are surrounded by beliefs and those beliefs are protected by stories my favorite <clears throat> story and just because we believe something doesn't mean it's true has to do with tobacco and I grew up in a time where I was in the I was born in the end of the era when doctors were still recommending camels uh, which is a brand of cigarettes and I say that kind of facetiously but you know doctors were recommending now and in some others that were super low in tar and everything else but we I was born in the era when that was all ending and I was in I was a young adult when the campaigns really kicked in high gear to get people to quit smoking. I was in my 20s and 30s as we put just tons of money and advertising into anti-smoking campaigns. And we were trying to, the, the globally we were working, or maybe in the United States, we were working on this mission of getting people to stop smoking. We weren't focused on a whole lot of other things that, are, that were hurting us as a, as a whole. Um, <clears throat> but we were focusing on tobacco. Well, the value and the, and, the, and the beliefs and the stories, just because we believe something doesn't mean it's true, is we would believe that it wasn't hurting us to smoke. And our evidence, the stories for that, was that there's someone that was 92 years old that was smoking still that was doing just fine. And there was somebody 40 years old that never smoked that died. And we'd tie that into it. We were, people got tired of hearing people that smoked got tired of hearing these campaigns come at them and they felt attacked and they felt you know all these things now a lot of people quit it was a very successful strategy it was a very successful campaign and over the years 
tobacco is much less common or popular in the U.S. It's still, if you look at the numbers of how much of it's selling, it's still selling like crazy, but you're not going to find it on the airplanes. I actually have photographs from a plane I was just in. I was flying commercial, and I was in the bathroom, and it was I think it was an old U.S. Air um, plane, U.S. Airs, U.S. Airways plane that American Airlines had bought, and it um, still had ashtrays in the bathroom and get all the signs for not smoking and where to put your cigarettes or not put your cigarettes, which which made me laugh. I took pictures of it. I'll probably throw something up um, and just talk about change in social media at some point. But okay, so back to this idea that believing something doesn't mean it's true. Um, when we think about the tobacco thing, the belief was was that I can smoke and I'll be just fine. It's not doing all that to me. And so we could show someone a black lung. We could do a, uh, we could even show a real lung of a smoker and show how black it was and how diseased it was. And there were so many stories and beliefs that it protected the smoker from seeing that information or from taking that information in. They were so protected that they never saw it and never touched their identity and they continued to smoke. Now, there were other stories than the people who died and didn't die and all that stuff. And there was also the stories of how it was just propaganda and people trying to control us and whatever. But um, it doesn't mean that smoking tobacco doesn't cause problems in our bodies. And it doesn't mean that we have clear lungs. And now at the same time, if we believe in healing, we believe in manifesting. We were just talking about this. We were just talking about this, you know, significant out of this world view of looking at a timeline of 200 plus years and looking at this idea of how time has changed on how on our view of how we can heal ourselves and at one point it was a foo-foo cult that people only really believed if they had the experience and now people are running for the experience because they're seeing on paper in documentation how it works in our minds and our bodies and what the statistics are that show when taught a certain way to put our bodies and our minds in a certain state, we can, we're demonstrating and proving that our bodies heal. So we're putting more science and more data towards successful healing to show what that looks like, which increases the number of people that can access it because it increases the teacher's ability to work with someone and see the shifts and changes to help be specifically adapted to that individual and help them get where they want to go. And we're all using the same tools. That's one of the things that I think is really common and interesting to talk about. We're still using the same tools of gratitude, of envisioning, of practicing different thoughts and behaviors, of focusing our attention and calming ourselves and getting ourselves into a somewhat of a meditative or hypnotic trance state where we can receive information better. We certainly use gratitude because gratitude is that intense receiving state so now that we know all this stuff some of i sometimes wonder why aren't more people doing it why aren't more people running at it and i guess sometimes for a lot of people certain things are just good enough they're fine the way they are and that i'm i can't challenge that they're fine the way they are they're fine the way they are but let's get into these two these two things of this next segment here about 
what this looks like and this idea of what belief does and, and how it affects our motivation. Um, this one, we're going to talk about this encouragement to seek common ground everywhere we go. To seek common ground, not so that we don't have to see the differences, not to avoid any realities or truths or facts of anything else, just seek common ground so we have something to focus on that centers us, that connects us, and that gives us some kind of a foundation of health and connection and positive. So specifically look for it. It's too easy to see the critical, to see what's not right. It's way too easy. Our critical mind doesn't have enough work to do. We've talked about that. There's not enough fight, fright, or flight things happening that we start fabricating them and crafting them. So give our critical mind something to do, and that's all well and good. It's going to do something anyway. It's easy to find what's wrong and what's broken. What it takes intention to do is stop and make specific energy and time, take specific work, put specific energy towards finding common ground, something you can agree with. It, no matter where we are, if it's in a culture, we may not we may go visit a foreign country we may not agree with certain things that we see we may not agree with practices there might be things that we don't even not agree with we don't understand and you go down into south south america or mexico for day of the dead and start seeing that and if you've never been exposed to it, it it could it could really be freaky it could really be intense if you've never been exposed to anything like that and you might wonder what it's all about. It might look kind of scary. Um, well, dig into the culture and learn about it. It's it's a beautiful. It can be a beautiful ceremony. So, a beautiful celebration. So, one of the things I like to do here is um, find common ground everywhere. And then there's that little caveat of except where we shouldn't. And I want to take one minute to talk about to talk about absolute statements. Because there's always an exception to the rule. So there are certain things that we're going to want to distance us our, our distance ourselves from. And we don't want to for our own emotional framework, we're going to make choices not to try and find common ground. And I just want to acknowledge that and be clear about that. Um, I, we're, I, I'm really serious about affecting change in some areas, and I have friends that have gone out and been part of these, they're not posses, but part of, for lack of a better word, the posses that are going out and, and trapping um, people committing crimes against children, whether it's trafficking or if it's other types of crimes. And I'm, I'm saying there's some areas where we just need to put our foot down and do the right thing. And there's no room to find common ground with anybody in these situations. I will say that that is how they're trapped sometimes is by finding the common ground and, and hooking them with something that they want. So maybe there's some still something to it. But that's not what we're talking about is my point. We're not on that framework here. 
if there's something that you just clearly believe is wrong and you don't want to have common ground with. So everywhere is not everywhere. So let's talk about this absolute statements. I love them. Like, I never do that. Well, except for when I do, right? I always sleep with a sheet. Well, except for when I don't. Except for when it's really cold. But I live in Arizona. So when do I need anything other than a sheet, right? Um, so what's my point there? Some There's a lot of, of more comical scenarios of what I, or what one of it, so, some of us might say that, oh, I never do that. I never do that. Well, except for when I do. There's always an exception to the rule. And I think that's okay. Um, we still want to look for that. We still want to look for something we agree with rather than disagree with so that we have that as common ground if we're trying to maintain relationships and if we're wanting to learn more. Because just because somebody comes from a different viewpoint doesn't mean they're wrong. And just because they come from the same viewpoint doesn't mean they're right. And if we don't start removing ourselves from some of the arguments that can't be won, there's some discrepancies or differences or opinions that we can't change. Only the individual can change. And all we can do is change ourselves. So starting to look at when we start looking at the serenity prayer, God grant, and I'll just say the we version, grant us the serenity. And maybe it's more personal to do the me, but it, either way, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So the wisdom to know the difference, that's deep. The other two are great uh, as well. I'm not saying one's, any one of those three statements is better than the other, but think about that. The wisdom to know the difference. If we haven't found a common ground, there's no difference. So we might we can be really thrown off so find something in common if you're trying to build a bridge so um i've i've seen cattle ranchers and vegans come together and find common ground because they both love the earth and they both want to see everything beautiful and restored and healthy in our planet and they didn't focus they, they didn't focus on anything that they didn't agree with. They didn't focus on the fact that one was raising cattle and the other believed in not, in not doing that. And all of the arguments around that weren't, didn't have to be acknowledged, and they were able to move forward pretty powerfully on how to protect an area, and they were able to gain understanding in each other's perspectives not just in the perspective of where they were coming from emotionally and mentally, but also in their perspective of what it was they were trying to protect and why it made sense. Now, here's another situation where both people can be right and meaning the same thing. Or they, and, meaning, and both people can be right in saying something entirely different. So, working, I've volunteered for many years with a ranch, and I've watched them make decisions of when to protect a certain part of the earth from the cattle because a certain type of vegetation needed to be given space to grow and heal and it, and it was having issues. 
whether it was because of the cattle or not because of the cattle, I, we didn't get it. I don't know. But I know that they went to great lengths to protect certain areas and they do plant counts and all kinds of things that running the ranch under this whole, under the, the guidelines and the, and the methods that uh, they use being learned from um, Holistic Man Management International. So <clears throat> that's a whole nother topic, but talk about polarized views, eating beef and vegan. Now, that's a whole nother thing about beliefs and what we believe is true because buying beef from the typical supply chain that's pumping into the Walmart or wherever that's coming through whatever feedlot in whatever land of, you know, where it is, where a lot of these terrible photos have been done about how animals are treated is one thing. Coming through a supply chain of locally raised meat where you, somebody is you know, doing animal husbandry, they're, they're caring for these animals from the moment they're born to the time that they go, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I'm going to talk about something for a minute because this is something that's just passionate to my heart. And this is another thing that's really relative to this large time frame of what happens with our beliefs and what's true or what isn't true. And I've spoken to people that are vegans that we're open enough to hear this in a thought process of what is gratitude and how it affects us. <clears throat> if we go back to the days where we were raising our own crops, we were raising animals for food, we were raising animals, you know, if we had a milk cow, you were rich. If you had chickens and they were laying eggs, you, that was abundance. If you had a crop that was being tended to and you were able to tend to it, you were fortunate and you were able to then harvest that crop and trade or make money or do whatever to take care of yourself um, and make whatever things needed to be made. And back in those days, <clears throat> saying grace at dinner was an entirely different experience because when you raise an animal with the understanding that it's going to sustain you through a winter and you sit down at a table having butchered it and kept it and now having it sustain you, eating it. It's an entirely different level of gratitude to express within a family or a group of people when they share in that food. It's an entirely different level of respect that goes to the animal when you try and use every single part of that animal out of love and respect and compassion. It changes the idea and picture of what grace is altogether. So is there, I don't wonder why grace isn't as common at dinner. Grace at dinner is much more of a religious practice now, not so much a practice of, thank God for the food and the hands that helped bring it and the weather and the energy and everything that brought it. Thank God for that food and um, for the sustenance and that we get to live. So when you're trying to feed anyone that has kids that's that's tried to feed their kids and been hungry and been struggling knows when i started out my journey i was on and i i got i was with the love of my life at the time the mother of my children and we had our first child and a couple things had happened and we were in a bad way and we were standing in a, in a place we couldn't afford and um without getting into all the detail, we were struggling. And I had scraped together all the change I could find, all because that's all I had in money. 
I scraped together all the change after paying all the bills. We just had change laying around the house and we scraped it together and I put my daughter on a chest pack and we walked to a little cafe and we walked into that cafe and stood at the bar of the breakfast cafe. It was a Saturday morning, I think. And we bought a cup of coffee because that's all we had the money for. And we stood there sharing a cup of coffee. We both drank black coffee and talked about what a dream it would be to eat breakfast. To, to walk in that restaurant and afford breakfast was a, was a dream. And I, I'll never forget the first time it happened. I kind of regretted that it wasn't that restaurant, but it wasn't. It was another one that we ate breakfast in finally. But the day that we could afford breakfast without any thought or pain or worry about where the you know mortgage was coming from, the bills were coming from, was a beautiful day uh, that back then it was rent so uh, those were some beautiful times but um anyone that's come from that place that's had to feed their children really really scratch and figure out how to feed their children understands the value of whatever comes across their table but we're not all that attached to that anymore because we're not attached to the supply chain the same way, way we were. Now we're attached to it through videos that only show one isolated part of it. And it affects us emotionally. And now we're not going to eat anything. And we're being controlled by propaganda and by people. It doesn't mean that, you're, that anyone's wrong in what they're thinking. It just means let's take time to look at what the information is that we're making decisions by. And let's figure out answers let's get let's go a little bit further than just that first response when something makes us when something brings us tension my belief is that if something comes in here and becomes tension and i get taught you know twisted that's a signal so emotions are a delivery mechanism that's delivering a message to me that there's something to unwind or unwrap or loosen that can bring change into my life and offer more ease and flow and help me be more flexible. And when we're more flexible, we can much more easily get to where we're going, get what we want out of life. So it's important to build those bonds and to look for those common ground so that we so that as we need those to stay connected to people we can the more we focus on the more they grow so if it's true that what we focus on grows then the more we focus on the things that we have in common the more things we'll find that we have in common and potentially we will grow to a place where we're in better agreement with everything even the things that we think are different. So next next little part is about healing our relationships, which, which I already started to cover. Healing our relationships with everything that we come in contact with. Healing our relationships with the food that we eat. <clears throat> Pardon me. I believe in starting, and I work with my clients to start with what you can control. If it's an individual, we control what we watch, what we say, what we say to ourselves, what we say out loud, what we listen to, what we consume, eating or drinking, 
how we move our bodies, our self-care, whether it's haircuts and showers and massages, all those things that we can control, we focus on that stuff first. So we focus on what we can control and see what we can heal and solve and deal with there first. Challenge the beliefs, start learning to self-query on everything that we're doing and become optimal in all of those areas. So healing our relationship first with ourselves by healing the things we have a relationship to that we can control. Things we, another way to look at that is things that we don't have the ability to delegate. You can't delegate steps. You can't delegate crunches. And it, well, I mean, I guess you could go tell someone else to do them, but it's not going to help you. So um, I was listening to something from Sadhguru the other morning, and he, he was talking about yoga and how the only problem, the, there's a terrible thing about yoga, and the thing about yoga that's terrible is that you're the only one that can do it. <laughs> and I, I cracked up because I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Let's focus on what we can control. So we start by healing the relationships we have with ourselves and the things that we can control with ourselves. Then we step out by finding the things that we have in common with. We begin to look at what we have in common and allow that to grow by starting to heal our relationship with others. And we can start with the relationships that are positive and look at healing those. Uh, because I don't know about you guys, but everybody, I, I mean myself for sure, the people I've brought the most harm to in my life are the people that are the closest to me because they're the ones I feel safest with to let my guard down and make mistakes. And that hurts their feelings. And then I get to stand accountable. So we tend to hurt people closest to us. Hopefully we're not in a cycle of doing that where it, look, where it becomes a problem. But let's that we start by healing the relationships that are with ourselves and to the things in our life and then we start and as we do that we start healing there's this beautiful amazing mind-blowing ability that comes to love others to find compassion for others when we've done that for ourselves and everything i, I put money on it that most things that you think will happen if you're sitting in a place of having really learned to demonstrate love and compassion to yourself on a regular basis whether you're feeling it or not will create more humility and a greater ability to understand and not and and be non-judgmental and to just be compassionate towards others even if you don't want to connect with them and make friends with them you'll be more compassionate and maybe give a little bit more grace and understanding when you've learned to do it for yourself because it's not easy to maintain a positive attitude all the time so when you see someone else doing it you instead of looking at it like oh well, aren't they on the high horse you know you begin to understand that that's probably not easy for them to stay there just like it's not easy for you or anyone else we make it easy by automating it we make it natural it's not about being easy we make it natural and that still doesn't mean that we don't get challenged with things that catch us sideways that we go oh i didn't even realize i was doing that so <clears throat> just because we believe something doesn't mean it's true be oh we need to be open to considering new information the world has changed so fast and Here's the final point I really want to make. All of this information, whether it's NLP, hypnosis, um, 
there's all kinds of forms of hypnosis. Hypnotherapy is uh, uh, becoming big again in, in my view. I've seen a lot more people talking about hypnotherapy. Um, help all these tools we have to help people if it's nlp whether it's religious sciences whether it's science of mind or anything else we have the we have this we have this basic reality that hasn't changed and that is that there is a way of thinking and speaking and behaving that puts our bodies into optimal zones where it can heal better. And there's ways to keep our mind and, and, it, and it starts making all of our parts work better. And the chemicals on our brain work better. We can affect the reduction of depression. We can greatly in, we can, we can make it, we can make an effect on so many different issues that are out there that people are suffering from and struggling from. We can help people understand that we are not we don't have to be a culture of sufferers this hero's journey that we have to have overcome some major thing to be successful or be great is absolutely not true and there's many people proving that i'm not one of them because i had to go through a bunch of crap and I, and i ended up creating more because of those stories so i have overcome a lot of obstacles but i have plenty of plenty of people that I know today that they have a hero's journey or they don't but they're stepping into being helpful and being successful and that's a beautiful thing doesn't mean they're not challenged along the way but there's no I guess the point I'm making there's no competition to have had a, a larger problem that then could make us more successful that's not the point that's missing the point so <sighs> We don't have to suffer. We don't have to be a people of suffering anymore. We can look at the world from a place of understanding and compassion and look for the feedback it's bringing us so that we can ask the right questions and make the changes we need to make to feel better. So um, I'm going to tell you some, one other thing on this. A couple of the funny things that people agree with, and this is kind of like the bomb drop that I want to just stop this on, is that matter's not real and evil's not real. If you go back through the la at least the last few hundred years and look at a lot of these different um, new the different venues that or religions or thought processes that brought up new thought um, and that's looking at the science today, they're going to say that matter is malleable and that and there's this belief that these other things they're they're constructs that we've made up and um that's something to discover further now if you're i'm gonna i'm gonna end it here and just talk about designing your strengths because all of this ties back into designing your strengths and um i fell off of that a little bit here and just diving straight into this practice i didn't go at all into the book that i wanted to or talking about emma curtis hopkins but maybe we'll save that for another another day um this is not a religious podcast this isn't um we're about the point getting to the point of stuff and what what i'm really about and what my firm my coaching firm is all about is talking about that point there's another point thing where a projection meets a perception so i'm communicating something i'm projecting it 
somebody is receiving it and perceiving it. So where projection meets perception, we want to talk about, we want to focus on making those moments worthwhile, making them impactful, and really getting to the point of the most powerful in a, moment that we can have in, the, in those times. We want to say the things we mean, not from a perspective of how we need to say them, but we also, we, that's a consideration. We also want to consider how it's being heard. And we do that quite naturally in some circles. We do that quite naturally when we're meeting with foreign, you know, people that are foreign to us, people from other parts of the world or other cultures or other religions or whatever. There, there are certain traditions that are offensive to one than the other. So we learn those things and try and do the right thing so we don't at least piss each other off. So we do that quite naturally in some ways and not so naturally in others, but that's something that we can really do. And that's another, that's just right back to finding the things that we have in common. So we're not religious. We're focusing on these moments and how we can maximize all of those moments, learn to leave people better than we found them, including ourselves, and find that innate special part of who we are just like everyone else. So we're finding that, that innately special part of us because we all have it. And yet that that's one of those dual ideas that both can mean that, you know, ooh, it sounds like they're totally saying something totally different, but we're actually saying the same thing. Everybody has something beautiful and special about them, which makes us not so special and very special at the same time. So think about that and hit me up with comments. If you're already in the designing process, I'm having this brainstorm right now that we should start a, we should do a side group one day and dig into some of these theories deeper, but there's other groups for that too. So I appreciate everyone that's been here listening and we'll see you next week when I start a new series. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me, in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point. <laughs>